you will find a copy of God's Word and turn to Luke 24. We read the account of the ladies as they went to find Jesus' body. And lo and behold, it wasn't there. And praise the Lord, it wasn't. I'll be reading Luke 24, 1 through 12. But let's go to the Lord and ask Him for His help during this season. Father, we thank You for the Word that it tells us that our Savior is alive. We pray that by the Spirit You would help us this morning to understand. Father, if if there are those here who don't know You this morning, that You would give them eyes to see for the first time the good news of Jesus, of our risen Savior. Give us anointing, both the hearer and preacher alike. In the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed Stand forever. Well, praise the Lord, things didn't go according to plan as the disciples had anticipated. Praise the Lord that it went according to God's plan. Have you ever made plans only to have them fall apart? But by God's mercy and provision and blessing on your life, it actually turned out much better. Perhaps a a family vacation that you'd planned for, for many months and many dollars laid down at a deposit. But then ultimately it fell through. But you had the best time of your life with your family in ways you never could have experienced. Or perhaps you had planned on going to one college only to be rejected. And then to meet your future spouse at another college. Or perhaps you've applied for a job and it hasn't turned out and then six months down the line the Lord shows you how He protected you from a terrible situation. That's kind of like what happened on Sunday morning. See, the ladies, the ladies had gone to the the tomb bearing the spices to anoint Jesus' body. This was their plan, but praise the Lord it didn't go according to their plan. Praise the Lord that it went according to the plan of our Savior from the very foundation of the world. That He had been raised from the dead. It wasn't just at the end of Christ's earthly ministry that things hadn't gone as the disciples planned. 
They had watched in dismay as many folks stopped following Jesus after he told them in John 6, that, hey, you're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. They didn't like that, so many, many left. They would have stood in confusion as he spoke again and again of his, of his coming death and frustration as Jesus failed to follow their plans to the Romans the week of his triumphal entry. While they fought amongst themselves about who was the greatest, even lobbying one of their mothers to go and say the same to Jesus, Jesus was turning his face like flint to Jerusalem that he might come and die for us. While they wanted to call fire down on a city in Samaria, he came to seek the lost, to save those like you and me, sinners. While Peter took up arms against the servant of the high priest, Judas betrayed him with a kiss, and the rest were too busy scattering to the four winds. Jesus was fulfilling the plans laid down by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before the world was even created. The cross was according to God's plans, but took His disciples by surprise, even though He had told them again and again. This is seen even when His disciples would flee. Flee from the foot of the cross as he was despised and rejected by the political authorities, the religious authorities, and the crowds who cried out, we have no king but Caesar, all but a few left and betrayed him. Disappointment's tough to deal with, isn't it? And can you imagine the disappointment that the disciples must have felt on Holy Saturday? Here is the one whom they had pinned all their hopes on. Here is the one whom they had pinned all of their joy on, their salvation on. What good was a dead Savior? They had longed for. They had longed for the Messiah who would come and make all things right. And yet the week had not ended the way they wanted. The week had ended with the death of their friend. Jesus. Those who have been healed by Him, converted by Him, loved by Him, there was great darkness and confusion. What had happened? All their hopes had been pinned on Him. What does this mean about my salvation? Certainly a dead Savior cannot save me. And so we see these three crowds in this text. The first, we are introduced in verse 1, where we see these ladies. We're told later in another text that this is Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother of Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. She is the wife of Zebedee, the mother of James and John. And there are other ladies too, and they, they have gone to the tomb. They woke up early. The night before they had gotten together and they had prepared spices, Jesus' anointing and preparation of his body had gone very um, speedily Friday afternoon after his death on the cross because at sundown was the Sabbath and it was forbidden to prepare a body on the Sabbath. And so they went the first chance they could at daybreak. As the sun was rising, they went to the tomb to dress the cold and stiff body of the one who had given them light and hope. The one who had driven the demons out of Mary Magdalene. 
the one who had brought hope to Joanna, the wife of the steward of Herod of Antipas, and the one who had disciples who had discipled the sons of Salome, James and John. What were they expecting to find that day? They were expecting to find a body, a dead body. Things had not gone according to plan. Things had gotten out of hand, but they had gotten out of bed. And when they arrived, they found the stone rolled away and the body of Jesus gone. But you know, it's interesting because we still find that they were perplexed. They were still stuck in their own uh, understanding of the situation. A response of faith might have been, oh man, it's true. What he said, it was true. Or maybe just a glimmer of hope. Could it be? Oh, but the text it says something else. We find that they were perplexed in verse 4. They were perplexed. The Greek word here means an inward debate. They knew that Jesus was dead, but yet his body was missing. Where had it gone? Who had taken it? They were dumbfounded. They were caught off guard. This had thrown a curveball to their plans. But praise the Lord that it didn't go according to their plans. Certainly the women who went to the tomb, they went not out of faith, but out of misplaced devotion. We shouldn't be too hard on them, should we? Would we have done the same? And where are the men? Where are the eleven disciples? They're back, huddled together in fear and in dismay. Where are the men who had been given the title of apostle and traveled with Jesus for a year and a half or more, day in and day out? Where are they? Well, the ladies went and told them. They went and told the eleven and and the rest. This was a larger group of disciples And they didn't believe them. It's one thing to not believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead when you saw him die. It's another thing when someone tells you. Because we all know that God doesn't raise anybody from the dead. Well, except for Elijah when he raised the son of the Zarephath widow from the dead. God doesn't raise the dead. Oh yeah, except for when Elijah raised the son of the Shumanite woman from the dead. God doesn't raise the dead. Oh yeah, but the man who had been raised from the dead body or when his body touched the the bones of Elisha, God doesn't raise anybody from the dead. Or when Jesus had raised the son of Nain or the widow of Nain from the dead, no one is raised from the dead. God doesn't raise the dead except for when he raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. God doesn't raise anyone from the dead. Oh, except when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Or upon when Christ was crucified and Old Testament saints got out of their graves and started walking around. God does raise people from the dead. Well, there were two that had a glimmer of hope. We're told one here in verse 12 is Peter. We're told in John that the other is the beloved disciple who is John. But Peter rose and he ran to the tomb. Could it be true? Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. There were two at least out of the eleven who had a glimmer of hope. 
And they ran to the tomb. Isn't it a good thing that things didn't go according to the lady's plan or the men's plan, but it went according to God's plan? They were looking for a dead Savior. My friends, our Savior is alive. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? What about you? Do you know that your Savior is alive? Did you know that we know that our sins can be forgiven because our Savior did not stay in that grave? See, these things went according to God's plan. What did the ladies find? They found an empty tomb. When they arrived, they were perplexed, but it didn't stay like that for long because the Lord sent two angels out of His abundant mercy to explain what had happened, as we see in verses 4 through 7. While they, were too, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their heads, their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he has told you while he was in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. What good news. What good news. The angels had the privilege of telling the world that their Savior was alive. All of your hopes, all of your desires, the future of God's people, the defeat of sin, the hope of the Gentiles, the renewing of all things, the turning back of the curse, the certainty of eternal life and our own eventual resurrection, these things really were going to happen because our Savior who was dead is now alive. You know, if Jesus was raised from the dead, then that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes your life and it changes mine. It means that the promises of God really are true. That God is not a liar. It means that there is forgiveness of sins. It means that history isn't about you or me, but it's about God. It means that Satan has been defeated. Praise the Lord for that. It means that Christ really is coming back. It means that hope is real. And it means that the light is brighter than the darkness. Praise the Lord, things went according to God's plans and not according to ours. See, it was necessary for this to happen. I love that the angels use the word must in verse 7. That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise. Now let me, let me ask you something. Why must this have happened? Was God indebted to us? Was there something that God owed to us? Is it that we had been good enough that now that Christ could do the rest? No. Was it, was it because He was under some obligation? He'd lost a bet. This word must points us straight to the love of God. We talk a lot about the wrath that is displayed on the cross, that, that the wrath that we deserve is poured out on Christ for us. And this is true. But this, this pouring out of God's wrath, it points us to the love of God. That God would love sinners like you and me. The great love with which He loved us. God being rich in His mercy even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, this is when God would send His Son to die for us. 
Why must he have died? It's because someone had to pay for the sins of his people. He loved his people. And yet he could not be in the presence of his people because we are sinners and unholy and deserve his wrath. Someone had to pay. And only the Son of Man would do. Only the Son of God would do. Only the second person of the Trinity taking on human flesh and dying in our place would do. All of our sins are personal. They personally affect others we love. They are personal against God. They are personal in that God personally had to come and die for our sins and be raised on the third day that we might have salvation. It was necessary. In fact, we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. It had to happen this way. And God, out of His love and mercy, He did this for you. He didn't have to do it. But if He was going to save us, this is how it had to happen. But what does Easter morning mean? It shows us that we have a loving God who would send His own Son to die and be raised for us. Do you need to be reminded of God's love this morning? Then look at the empty tomb. It means that the sacrifice worked and that if we are Christians, our sins really are forgiven. Do you need to be reminded this morning that your sins are forgiven? Look at the empty tomb. We have said earlier in our Apostles' Creed that we believe in the forgiveness of sins and we are unique in this. As believers in Christ, we believe that something has happened to take away our guilt and our debt before God. And because the tomb is empty, we know that the sacrifice worked and that it was accepted. Anybody can die for anybody, but only the Son of Man can be raised. It means that the power of sin has been broken, that we are no longer in bondage to sin. Sin can seem hard, and sin can seem like it has power over us, but if we are in Christ Jesus, then the empty tomb has shown us that the power of sin has been broken. And it means that Christ really is the resurrection and the life. That we can have eternal life now. And that though we will, each and every one of us die, we will live forever with Him in heaven. And one day when Christ returns, our bodies will be raised from the dead. And they will join our souls in the sky. And we will rejoice forever because Christ, the firstfruits, was raised on our behalf. It means that the power of the cross and it means that the empty tomb are applied only to those who have trusted in Christ for salvation and have a personal relationship with Jesus. This is fantastic news and it is for each and every one of us if we turn to the Lord. He has paid, for the, paid the price of redemption. He has paid what our debts are owed. He has paid our account And He has nailed our record of debts and sins to the cross. 
And He has done it for those who trust in Him. Do you know Jesus? Do you know this Jesus? We find in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Has this been applied to you? If not, then may today be the day of your salvation. Because my friends, one day Jesus is coming back. And may we all be able to sit around the great table, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and rejoice that our Savior, He lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that our Savior was raised from the dead. And indeed, He sits on high now, reigning and ruling into the day of His return. Father, for those who know You today, I pray that You would remind us of the blessing of an empty tomb and that our Savior lives. And for those who don't know You, Lord, that today might be the day of their salvation they too might one day be raised from the dead and live with you forever. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.